Hello, I'm Bradley McLean, co-founder of Regulation Asia, and welcome everyone to today's discussion, sustainability reporting and the role of a market regulator. Now, accelerating climate change and its threat raises the urgency for governments and businesses to meet their net zero commitment and increase the importance of global financial markets in facilitating capital flows towards transition efforts. Now, ultimately, climate change poses risks and opportunities. Financial markets and stock exchanges can prepare for these changes by creating more resiliency in the markets and facilitating a crowding in of capital towards sustainability objectives. Now, we've seen a significant increase in capital allocation towards green and sustainable finance in the last couple of years. Still, other factors such as data gaps, double counting of greenhouse gas emissions reductions, inadequate transparency, as well as greenwashing risks will need to be addressed to support this transition. And this this is what brings us here today. I'm joined by Michael Tang, who heads up SGX Redco Sustainable Development Office and the Listing Policy and Product Admission Department, as well as Claire Lim from the Sustainable Development Office to explore the initiatives underway at SGX to help us achieve our net zero goals. With that, I wanted to wel- welcome both uh, Michael and Claire to our conversation today. Hi, Brett. Hi, Brett. So, I guess to kick everything off, Michael, I, I wanted to really understand, uh, you, uh, you know, given that you head up the newly se- uh, set up SGX Red Coast Sustainability Development Office, or, or SDO, uh, what is the backstory of the SDO and what exactly goes on in the office and what do you guys actually do? Right. Th- th- thanks, Brett. So it's the Sustainable Development Office, SDO. Um, so while it's a newly set up unit, but um, re- from SGX Red Coast perspective, um, sustainability has been something that I've been doing for quite a number of years right now. Almost 10 years ago, the predecessor to Redco issued a statement calling on all companies to uh, voluntarily report on their sustainability performance way back in 2011. And that was when the whole idea of sustainability was yet to be mainstream. So we then upgraded this requirement into a uh, listing rule in 2016 and then uh, required companies to do climate reporting in 2021. Now, before we had uh, SDO, we relied on a motley crew of uh, volunteers within uh, SGX Redco, people who have a common interest in sustainability and maybe foresight in seeing that this would uh, be a growing area. But I think as uh, sustainability issues become more complex, uh, I think you've mentioned some of the complexities earlier, I think we need to have a dedicated function uh, looking at this uh, within SGX Redco. So in January this year, we set up SDO, uh, the newest function in Redco. So I hit this function and it comprises uh, two other officers, uh, Claire as well as Ying Chang. I have Claire with me today, uh, so uh, she will also be uh, talking to you later on uh, some of our initiatives. Now, what this team does is really to coordinate our regulatory efforts in sustainability, such as in reporting and in transition. And we also participate in standard setting projects, as well as build awareness and capability across the entire ecosystem. There's actually a funny story about why the team is called a Sustainable Development Office. So it could have been Sustainability Office, but then I think the abbreviation uh, wouldn't have been too pleasant sounding. So we stuck to uh, SDO instead. And the name also takes inspiration from the United Nations uh, Sustainable Development Goals, which is, I think, the aspiration for all nations worldwide. It's interesting that you've mentioned you've been doing this for, for a number of years and obviously just formalizing the entire process. But, you know, Singapore is an international financial center. I mean, Singapore has always been at the forefront of many key developments. And it's no surprise, I guess, that Singapore started to introduce a number of initiatives in the green finance fronts. Also, the risks of rising sea levels due to climate change. It's, it's a real issue for the island state. Claire, I was just wondering if you can talk us through some of these risks from a national level perspective. Uh, sure, Brett. 
Yes, um, climate change is a real issue for Singapore because, you know, it's a low-lying island state, so it's a real challenge for us. And climate change can cause rising sea levels that will lead to flooding, flooding of our coastline. And then there are also extreme weather events that can happen, such as droughts and intense rainfall. And these can raise concerns on food security issues because, you know, uh, crop yield is affected by the extreme weather events so on the national level initiative, Singapore has actually ach- uh, committed to achieve net zero greenhouse gas emissions by 2050. And in February 2021, the Singapore government launched the Singapore Green Plan 2030. This is a 10-year plan um, and it's a whole of nation sustainability sustainability movement to advance our national agenda on sustainable development. And the Green Plan is actually anchored on five pillars. So we have um, city and nature, energy reset, sustainable living, green economy and resilient future. And the approach for the Green Plan is really 360 and it touches on almost every aspect of our lives. So take for example, planting one million more trees uh, across Singapore to making our vehicles cleaner to formulating coastal uh, protection plans. So as you can see, the direction of travel is quite clear. There's a lot of effort put in nationally towards, you know, a green and more sustainable future for Singapore. I mean, fascinating in terms of kind of this initiative. I mean, when you think about the size of Singapore and a million more trees, I mean, that's a massive kind of impact uh, on on the country. But Michael, this is obviously Singapore, but, you know, it's also a financial hub, as we mentioned. So what about, you know, ASEAN? You know, what are some of the efforts uh, on sustainability across the region? And more importantly, what is Singapore's role in a lot of these initiatives? Yeah, thank, I think ASEAN is a very important economic block for Singapore. But for, I think, the world as well, there's almost uh, 600 million inhabitants within this region. And with this amount of uh, people, uh, the demand for transportation, for buildings, for renewables, these are all sectors that are going to have a huge potential and attractiveness in terms of uh, investment uh, demands. And it's been estimated that um, the annual demand for green economic opportunities is uh, more than $1 trillion in this region. What all this means is that we need financing from the banks, from the capital markets. All of us can play a big role in transition. But I think what we really need is good data and information in order to support this transition. And I think on that front, there are two maybe initiatives or highlight uh, within ASEAN and Singapore. Firstly, the ASEAN Taxonomy Board uh, recently released the second version of their Taxonomy for Sustainable Finance in March 2023. Now, this is really a classification system of uh, activities that are considered to be sustainable for the region. What is, I think, interesting about this taxonomy is that it introduces coal face-out as a supported activity, meaning that it is possible for uh, investors, for other uh, fund providers to support uh, coal phase-out uh, provided that it meets certain strict criteria. Now, if you think about it, um, in Southeast Asia, coal makes up uh, just over half of the energy mix. So it's very important that we are able to support the uh, gradual transition out of coal while yet still supporting uh, present needs. So the ASEAN taxonomy would uh, consider active coal plants and those uh, currently being built as being eligible for financing so long as they adhere to a strict timeline for early retirement, and that's kept at a maximum of 35 years. The ASEAN taxonomy is also designed to be interoperable. Uh, You may have heard of the Singapore taxonomy as well. And I think what is unique about the Singapore taxonomy is that we adopted a traffic light system where 
green represents uh, activities that are sustainable, uh, transition, uh, amber for transition, and then red for unsustainable activities. I think um, this encourages companies to slowly move from uh, red to amber to green in a very uh, phased manner. Now, I think the second initiative on uh, data information I'll highlight is that uh, SGX has also worked together with five other regional exchanges in ASEAN to come up with a common set of core environmental and social matrix. Now, you know that there's uh, been uh, some concerns raised by investors about the inability to compare information provided by different companies because um, each of them uh, uses slightly different matrix in order to report on their performance. So the ASEAN exchanges efforts is really to ensure comparability of this information. Now that we've completed the uh, core matrix for environmental and social aspects, the group is now working on aligning governance matrix. It's interesting, you know, you've mentioned data information, the role of finance, but more importantly, transition. You know, it's great to hear what's happening across the region, I guess, more importantly, Singapore's role in this. But I'm, I'm more interested, I guess, to, to understand the, the approach the SGX is taking to ensure that information is better and, and, and better incorporated into prices. And, and that effective tracking and verification is in place to ensure that, you know, market participants can verify and assess progress in line with climate-related disclosures. Michael? What's the approach that the SGX is, is taking? Well, yes, I think there is definitely maybe a lot of information out there. And the question is, uh, what are the types of information that's useful for investors? But maybe I could uh, maybe paint a picture and try to categorize um, these types of information into three buckets. I think the first group relates to reporting standards and frameworks. And these are specific uh, reporting matrix that are required by reporting standards on sustainability, such as the Global uh, Reporting Initiative or GRI, or the Task Force on Climate-Related Financial Disclosures, or TCFD. Now, each of these standards require the reporting of a certain uh, ESG or E-matrix, and these are information that investors uh, would need in order to assess the performance on uh, these aspects. Now, if I draw an analogy to financial information, uh, these reporting standards would be like the financial reporting standards. They are common, and, and they will be common across uh, different uh, entities. Now, the second bucket of information I would call uh, ESG ratings. And these are, I think, scores or uh, grades that are provided by rating agencies or even uh, investors, institutional investors who have their in-house capabilities to rate a company's sustainability performance. Now, if I draw an analogy again to uh, the financial markets, these are akin to the credit ratings from different uh, credit rating providers. Each of them may have a different take on what they view as uh, sustainable uh, because of their different rating methodologies, but each may be valid according to uh, uh, what, what they view as important. Now, I think the third bucket of information uh, is probably unique to sustainability, and that is on taxonomy. I've spoken a bit about uh, taxonomy earlier on ASEAN and Singapore, but what this does is to classify uh, information as to whether or not they're aligned to our transition. And what is this transition that we're talking about? It is really um, harking back to the Paris Agreement, where all nations around the world promise to keep global warming to uh, below 1.5 degrees above pre-industrial levels by 2050. And because of this commitment, uh, different sectors, different companies would have a transition or a trajectory in order to reach this uh, uh, pathway. And what uh, the taxonomy does is to set the performance standards that each 
company or activity would need to meet in order to meet this trajectory. Well, different regions have come up with their own taxonomies. I've mentioned uh, ASEAN and Singapore. Of course, EU is another one. But I think these are maybe a way, this is probably a way to look at uh, the different types of information out there. I mean, I think it's super interesting and really important that, you know, we deep dive into those three buckets. What are they? The reporting standards, frameworks, ESG ratings, and taxonomy. So let's talk about the first bucket on reporting standards. What are your plans for adoption of the ISSB standards for sustainability disclosures in Singapore? And can you tell us a little bit more about SGX Redco's work in place to to enhance sustainability and ESG information listed in equities? Yes, thanks for bringing up the ISSB. So these are really the standards set by the International Sustainability Standards Board. And I think what this uh, board seeks to do is to come up with standards that will form the global baseline for sustainability information. Now, as a frontline regulator, I mentioned earlier that we've introduced reporting requirements, first on sustainability reporting and then on climate reporting. With ISSB, I think this this is an opportunity for us to uh, arrive at a harmonized set of uh, reporting standards that would uh, allow for comparability of information. And I think what is uh, I think unique about this set of standards is also that it is designed to be interoperable with other standards such as the Global Reporting Initiative, which uh, almost all companies in Singapore use. So what this does is to allow companies to use ISSB as the global baseline standards and then build on additional standards like the GRI uh, in order to report to their stakeholders. So together with the Accounting and Corporate Regulatory Authority in Singapore, or ECRA, we've uh, set up an industry committee to advise on the roadmap for Singapore. Now, this committee is called the Sustainability Reporting Advisory Committee, or SRAC. Now, I know that we have a lot of acronyms, but I think as Singaporeans, we really love our acronyms. But I think what the SRAC does is to help advise on the roadmap for Singapore in order to better prepare our issuers Uh, not just uh, listed issuers, but also non-listed companies for reporting against the ISSB standards. The standards themselves are expected to be released in uh, the middle of this year. And SGX Redco have signaled that uh, we will adopt these standards when they're finalized and incorporate them as uh, mandatory reporting requirements in our listing rules. So the ISSB will start with climate first, given the uh, importance placed globally on this topic. But it would also set the framework for us to start considering other aspects of sustainability, such as biodiversity in the future. Uh, You learn something every single day. I didn't know Singapore loved their acronyms so much, (laughs) but there we go. SRAC, I'm learning something every single day. I mean, Claire, I mean... I, I'm quite keen to, to understand a little bit more about, uh, what is it, the, the ESG data disclosure platform that you guys launched last year. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Uh, so th- so this platform is called the ESG Genome. Digital, it's a digital disclosure platform for companies to manage and track their ESG data. And for investors, it's to help them build comparable ESG data sets for their green financing decisions. This is a joint initiative by the Monetary Authority of Singapore, MAS, and SGX Group. And you will find on the ES Genome Portal a set of 27 core ESG metrics, which we consulted the public on in 2021. And these are metrics that we encourage companies to report on because they are common across many sustainability reports of our our listed issuers. And the idea here is to have a consistent set of matrix for stakeholders when they look at our listed companies. So an example of a matrix under um, the environment 
side of things would be uh, reporting, for example, the total absolute greenhouse gas emissions, as well as well as by scope one, two, and three emissions, if appropriate. So that's all about equities, right? But what about fixed income? I mean, what is being done uh, to, to help identify green, social and sustainable bonds that I get meet, meet these recognised standards, Claire? Yeah, we have a sustainable fixed income initiative. This was launched in November last year, which recognises listed fixed income securities that meet certain standards. So we look at three things for eligibility. And let's take an example of a bond. First, we look at whether the bond aligns with recognised standards to be considered a green, social or sustainability bond. An example of such recognised standards includes the International Capital Market Association, ICMA, green bond or social bond principles. And then secondly, we look at whether there is an external reviewer who has confirmed that the bond meets the standards. And finally, there should be publicly available reports setting up the bond's alignment with these standards. Once awarded this recognition, investors can identify the fixed income security on a list published on our SGX website and such issuers can use in their marketing materials an SGX green badge. Amazing. I mean, it's interesting to see all of these initiatives, but what about capacity building efforts? Are you doing anything around that? Oh, yes, we are. This is actually a key Um, one of our key projects is to actually do capacity building and our trainings are focused at three groups of people. The first is preparers of corporate sustainability reports. The second would be board of directors and the third would be general training for people with an interest in sustainability. For preparers of corporate sustainability reports, we have collaborated with the Global Compact Network Singapore, GCNS, last year to organise a series of subsidised sectorial workshops for preparers that is focused on the Task Force on Climate-Related Financial Disclosures, TCFD's recommendations. We have also mandated for our directors to attend a one-time sustainability training so that they are equipped with basic knowledge on sustainability matters and directors can choose from a list of eight courses to fulfill this requirement. We are also at the same time looking at stepping up general training for people who are interested in sustainability. And through these efforts, we hope to actually develop skill sets in the ecosystem and raise awareness of the subject. So, Michael, it's been a hot topic for a while. It's the elephant in the room, greenwashing. How concerned are you about greenwashing? And I guess more importantly, what is being done or can even be done to help prevent and detect these types of activities? Yeah, I think greenwashing is a concern for all regulators globally right now. Uh, But I think if you analyse the issue, there are a lot of different types and forms of greenwashing. But Essentially, what they involve are companies or organizations making themselves or their products appear to have a more positive environmental impact than they actually do. And this can range from false product advertising or misleading words to represent companies or activities as being green or sustainable, or even green hushing where a company deliberately chooses not to communicate about its sustainability initiatives for fear of being called out by others. What greenwashing does is to hinder the development of a green economy and trust is eroded when false or misleading environmental claims are prevalent. Yeah, uh, just to chime in, actually, regulators globally are also starting to address the greenwashing issue. So 
just as an example, um, in the USA, the Securities and Exchange Commission, SEC, established the Climate and ESG Task Force within the Division of Enforcement to develop initiatives to identify ESG-related misconduct. And um, in Australia as well, the Australian Securities and Investments Commission, ASIC, issued an information sheet on how to avoid greenwashing when offering or promoting sustainability-related products. Yeah, so I think you'll see the norms surrounding ESG disclosures and greenwashing evolving. Um, but what we'll do is to monitor the developments on this space. Um, but I'll add that for companies listed on SGX, our listing rules require that they ensure that their disclosures are balanced and fair and accurate. And we've also required issuers to subject their sustainability reporting process minimally to internal review by their uh, internal audit functions. But given the scale of the problem and I think the, the, the size of the issue, the extent of the issue, it's not something that I think SGX alone can fix. The solution would need to involve more than just uh, standard setters and regulators, but also companies making every effort to make sure that they distinguish themselves through clarity in disclosures, through uh, faithfulness and representation of their products and themselves. And we're going to also need investors and consumers to hold companies to account when they invest or when they uh, consume. So it's clear the SEO's goals, they're ambitious. And, you know, in a short period of time, you guys have achieved a lot of things. But the next step is turning strategy into action. So what's next for the uh, for the SGX Redco Sustainable Development Office in 2023? Right. Yeah, you know, Brad, I think um, me and Claire and the team uh, were just looking through our work plan for the year. And I must say it's packed full of uh, activities. But I think um, in terms of uh, broad areas, I would say there are three uh, topics that we'll focus our energies on. Uh, I started introducing SDO, so I thought I'll uh, end with this acronym as well. Firstly, it's on uh, setting standards. I've mentioned at ISSB that we intend to incorporate it into our listing rules as mandatory requirement. I think the pace and degree uh, at which we adopt this would depend on the final form of the standards, which is expected to be out in um, mid of this year. But I've, I've also mentioned our uh, collaboration with uh, ACRA, the corporate regulator in Singapore, uh, in order to extend this reporting requirement to non-listed companies. And I think that's important to prevent regulatory arbitrage where companies uh, choose to go private because uh, of fear of a reporting. In this manner, I think we'll ensure that um, there's no regulatory arbitrage as well as to ensure that downstream or upstream of our listed companies, uh, their suppliers and will also report on their scope 3 emissions. Now, the second uh, area that we'll uh, focus on is deep dive. Uh, and Claire has mentioned some of the uh, capacity building efforts that we've made. Uh, we've extended our partnership with GRI uh, to develop a sustainability reporting learning series. And under this learning series, we intend to conduct more topical uh, training uh, to strengthen the uh, knowledge of our preparers of sustainability report. So these um, uh, topics might be GHG measurement, biodiversity or scenario analysis. Now, the third area is uh, observe ourselves. Uh, we've, we need to see how our companies are reporting. In 2019 and 2021, we've engaged with the uh, National University of Singapore's Business School to conduct a review of the sustainability reports of all listed companies in order to get a quantitative and qualitative analysis of their progress. We intend to do so again this year, uh, which will co also cover uh, TCFD uh, aligned climate reporting topics uh, in tandem with our new requirements. 
So yet again, as I mentioned, these are ambitious goals, but it seems that you're making a lot of progress in a very short period of time. And it sounds like the approach is definitely cautiously optimistic. And with that, unfortunately, we're out of time. Thank you, Michael and Claire, for being so candid in your discussion today. Now, obviously, we've only just started to scratch the surface in today's discussion on how the SGX and other market participants are working together to make a real difference in achieving net zero goals. But moreover, through the transition, becoming more climate resilient, but also better positioned to attract investment and capital flows for the long term. Thank you, Claire. Thank you, Michael. Thanks, Brett. Thank you, Brett. And goodbye. 